from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy to be here with you on this Tuesday night. And our phone number, if you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And a couple of headlines that are out there tonight. We're going to get into a bunch of stuff tonight. One of the things I want to get into tonight is the um, the the big thing everybody's talking about, besides the political news, I'm going to get into that in a moment, but... Everybody seems to be sniffling, and it's not that they're sick, but it seems like allergies are kicking in like for a, a second wind. I want to talk about that a little bit later. I, I also want to talk about um, what's going on in the political landscape. There's more and more Democrats that are becoming Republicans. I want to get into that as well. And, uh, of course, uh, we're going to talk about these big headlines here because there's a few. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, let's see, where did it go? Well, Congressman Matt Gates, he says that his paycheck should be withheld in the event that there's a government shutdown. Kudos to him on that, because I believe that that's the type of solidarity that the American people expect. Uh, they expect, hey, look, if this thing is shut down, why do you, why should you get paid? Why are you an essential service? Right. And I think he realizes that he's making that point. So good on him for that. And uh, there's other things that I want to talk about because, well, there's a lot of things. <laughs> the writer's strike. Uh, this is not of particular import to me, but it is interesting. I guess we're going to have movies again soon. Uh, the writers have reached a tentative deal with studios to end the strike after nearly 150 days. Now, the Hollywood writers initiated a work stoppage back in May as negotiations broke down with the studios, including Disney, Paramount, Universal, and Warner Brothers. And talks with the Writers Guild of America and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers resumed last week after months of starts and stops. So the Writers Guild and the AMPTP are still drafting the final contract language. Uh, but it looks like the strike has paid off, I'm presuming. And uh, we're going to move forward with more blockbuster hits as we move into the winter. And listen, uh, you know, I don't do a ton of movies, but when I do, it's usually during uh, the either the fall or the winter months. Every now and again in the summer, if something really good comes out. So people have something to look forward to. And listen, as much as I, you know, I can beat up the left all I want, I like going to the movies. Movies are fun. I love paying $14 for a bucket of popcorn that's dripping with fake butter sauce. You know, <laughs> I absolutely do. That, that It brings me back to my childhood. And uh, I really, uh, I really appreciate that. Anyway, I want to get into that stuff. I also want to get into uh, some of the um, United Auto Workers strike. Joe Biden joined the picket line today and... Uh, he was on a bullhorn and he says, you deserve the significant raise you need and the benefits. Yep. That's what he said. So uh, I, we got a couple of clips of audio here that I'm going to play. I'm going to play a 
couple of different things. We also have uh, the president of the UAW and a few others. So um, let's start with Joe El Baboso Biden on the picket line with his bullhorn. Listen to this. You guys, the UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices. Gave up a lot. And the companies were in trouble. But now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well, too. Well, there you have it. Joe Biden has definitely um, not remained neutral and trying to be the adult in the room. But he says, no, I'm, I'm in it for the union workers. And of course, he's trying to destroy American uh, cars and car companies, right? They don't want you to have a gas stove. They don't want you to have a gas car. They don't want you to have even pass gas. <laughs> they don't want any of that stuff because Joe Biden has sold out, in my opinion, to the Chinese who have the mining rights to lithium. And one of our callers brought up a, a very interesting point, which I hadn't really put much thought into, but it makes a ton of sense, which is that the reason you can go mining in Congo for lithium and cobalt and all the other, um, you know, rare earth minerals that you need to produce these electric car batteries, the EV batteries, is because those places allow slave labor. You can get a 12-year-old and throw in in the mine and do what you got to do, and nobody's the wiser because they don't have OSHA. They don't do a lot of those things. So China is happy to lease these um, lands that have these mines on them and do what they've got to do. And Joe Biden's happy to do China's bidding. Has nothing to do with the environment, has everything to do with his allegiance to China, in my opinion. And uh, do with that what you will. Now, the president of the UAW, his name is Sean Fain. He was at the UAW picket line today, the United Auto Workers Union. And uh, he's also on a bullhorn. And he suggests that automaker executives at Ford and GM and Stellantis are akin to the access of powers back in World War II. Listen to this. This site, Willow Run, it holds a historic place in the history of our union and our country. You know, this was part of the arsenal of democracy during World War II. It's where they built the B-24 Liberator Bomber. You know, that, that bomber, they built one of those per hour when they were at their peak. It's what helped us win the war. So today, 80 years later, we find ourselves here again with the arsenal of democracy. It's a different kind of arsenal of democracy, and it's a different kind of war we're fighting. Today, the enemy isn't some foreign country miles away. It's right here in our own, in our own area. It's corporate greed. And the weapon we produce to fight that enemy is the liberators, the true liberators. It's the working class people, all of you working, working your butts off on those lines to deliver great product for our companies. That's right. That's how we're going to defeat these people. That's how we're going to defeat corporate greed is by standing together. You know, it's funny. I think people think these things are corporate talking points or political talking points or union talking points. But honestly, when you hear corporate greed, corporate greed, and we're going to fight corporate greed, we're going to destroy these people. 
All I can think of is Karl Marx, right? It was Karl Marx organizing labor to go against the man, to go against the establishment, to go against the system. Now, listen, I'm not necessarily supporting, promoting, or protecting auto workers, automakers, auto companies, but I came up in life as a kid that was pretty poor coming out of Brooklyn, wasn't poor enough to live in the projects, but we weren't rich for sure. And I didn't have a taste of success until I learned a skill and was able to open a barbershop. Actually, even before I had the barbershop, I developed a clientele cutting hair out of my house. And that was me. I did that, right? I was able to, to use my labor and, and generate income. And then that became a business. And then I had a barbershop and then I employed other barbers. And when you know, when I hear this stuff, corporate greed, I, I could just imagine a bunch of angry barbers and my barbers were terrific. I never had this issue, but you know, turning to me saying, you're making too much money. You, you've got, you know, you, you've got the, the, the lion's share of the profits. And, and all I could think to myself is if you show up every day and you work in a factory, you work in an office, you work wherever you work and you're using a building that's leased and paid for and insured by your employer, you're using tools that belong to your employer. How is it that we could sit here and say corporate greed, corporate greed? I mean, it's, it's different jobs. If you want to be the guy with the golden parachute that becomes CEO of an American automaker, then you do what you got to do to get that job. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's how it works. Yeah, you know, I used to work in government. One day I said, I want to work on the radio. And I did everything I could to figure this out. Started at the bottom as an associate producer on a, on, on a pretty big show. Thank God. Big shout out to the great one, Mark Levin. And I learned the business and I was able to succeed in it. And it didn't swallow me up yet. <laughs> but my point is everybody picks a lane in life. You want to work at the McDonald's? Work at the McDonald's. You want to own the McDonald's? Own the McDonald's. Right? Everybody has that option. And, and I don't mean to oversimplify. I realize there's investment and there's this and there's that and all sorts of things. But my point is, if you have a job and you want to raise, all power to you, negotiate the raise, do what you got to do. But when you start just yelling, corporate greed, corporate greed is not why you don't have a raise. It's just not. This is, this is just a, a slanderous thing because you think that people are going to gain sympathy from you. I don't believe that. I believe the market dictates these things because if, if your skills, for example, if I was a barber and I wanted to offer a haircut for X amount of dollars and somebody said, you're out of your mind. I'm not going to pay you $100 for a haircut. I'll pay you $30 plus a tip. And I say, oh, well, you know, I want $100. It's up to them if they want to work here or not, right? If they want to pay me for that service or not. At some point, I have to wake up and go, oh, you know what? I can't get $100 a haircut. So if you're asking for more than you're able to get, more than the market dictates, you're not going to get your deal. But if you ask for something reasonable, you likely will. Now, again, of course, you could use the leverage of your union. You could use the leverage of the media. You could use the leverage of a strike. But ultimately, it's the market that dictates everything. People are not going to go and pay $30 for a steak when they can pay 12 It just doesn't work that way doesn't make any sense. So I think, you know, we have to keep that in mind. And again, this is no slight on any auto workers. God bless the auto workers. I love my car. But my point is everything's a give and take. And to just yell corporate greed, come on. We definitely have to do better than that. Anyway, folks, straight ahead, we're going to talk about what's going on in the world 
uh, as well as what is going on with this uh, new book, Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. Yep, you remember that was a new book on it by one of our favorite authors, Bill O'Reilly. He's coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, everybody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. But you're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, amigos, welcome back. And I want to talk a little bit of Hunter Biden, a little bit uh, domestic policy, and a lot of bit about the Salem witch trials and how that ties into today's cancel culture. And we're going to do that with... Bill O'Reilly, he is the author of the brand new book. It's out today. Uh, Of course, he's the host of No Spin News, but he's got this brand new book, Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. Bill O'Reilly, welcome, sir. Thanks for having me back, Rich. How you doing? I'm doing great, brother. Thank you. Thanks for staying up late. I know it's tough to brave the late night radio airwaves. Uh, but here no, no. It's, uh, I've just been doing this from, uh, since 7 a.m. The book's number 11 on Amazon now. We, now, after your program, we'll get it to number one, and then I can go let's to go. sleep. You bet. I love it. I love it. Uh, so let's, let's, uh, let's dig in. First, I, I see this story about Hunter Biden. I just want to get your take on it because uh, I think it's pretty interesting that uh, Hunter Biden now, uh, uh, yet another 250K in wires from China back in 2019, and the beneficiary address is listed as uh, Joe Biden's home in Delaware where he keeps his Corvette and obviously all of his stolen uh, classified documents. What's your reaction to that? I'm not surprised. I mean, I think any clear-thinking American, and it doesn't have anything to do with ideology or political party, knows that the Biden family benefited from Joe Biden's government service and that the president lied about it, very explicitly lied about it. Um, And you could make a case that he didn't know or, or whatever. I guess you could do that. But there's a level of responsibility for somebody who's vice president and, and president. And um, at this point, the Biden family are grifters. That's how the American public perceives them. And this isn't going away. And I've said for a year on the No Spin News that Joe Biden is not going to be the candidate in 24 for the Democratic Party. So what's your, what's your supposition on who it's going to be? How does that play out? Does he say, oh, I'm very sick, I got hairy legs? What does he do? Yes, yes. Uh, Joe Biden will uh, make the decision. Uh, there's already pressure on President Biden from Democrats to get out. You can see the polling is shifting fairly dramatically to Donald sure. Trump's uh, precinct. And Mr. Trump is not that personally popular in this country. I mean, he, he ran, I thought, a good administration. Um, but personally, um, more Americans don't like him than like him. Yet he's now uh, beginning to uh, pile up a big lead in the polling. And Joe Biden is not going to make a comeback. See, a lot of this is up and down, in and out politics. So you're right. down one day, you're up the next. But Mr. Biden is uh, impaired physically and mentally. And he's not making a comeback. It's only going to get worse. So the real, you know, astute people inside the Democratic Party know that. 
and they know there's not going to be a momentum shift into the president's precincts. So do you think um, it's Kamala? Do you think it's Gavin Newsom? Do you think they pull somebody out of the hat? How do you think that plays out? Well, it's hard to say um, because Kamala Harris is a disaster. So if they run her and she would take over for Biden, should he pull LBJ? um, So, look, I'm not running again. Then they'd want him to resign. They wouldn't want him to sit there for a year and a half as a lame duck. Um, So Kamala Harris might get a shot at it. um, But, again, very personally unpopular. Absolutely no accomplishments. Didn't do anything on the border. Now she's in front, charge of gun violence. I can guarantee you, Rich, she won't do anything there. Not a very smart woman, in my opinion. I was surprised. I thought she would be. Yeah. Um, so they have to look outside. And, you know, Michelle Obama is the one they want. But the first former first lady has showed no inclination to do this. Yeah, you know, I I was looking at these polls yesterday, the one that came out on Sunday, the one you were just referencing with Trump with this 10-point lead. And I found it interesting. They came from ABC News and WAPO, and they put this little disclaimer in there because it's like they're saying, hey, Trump's up, but no, 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 don't take it with a grain of salt. But I'm thinking, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was Jake Tapper saying, oh, Hunter Biden's taking money, and it's coming from, from China and from Ukraine. And now we've got WAPO coming out saying, oh, Trump is ahead. And, and I feel like... Is Do you think, I see the writing on the wall, but you've been at this way longer than me. Do you think that the Democrats are using their machinations in media to start to push Joe Biden out, or is it just legitimate polling? Well, I hate to, to do speculation or guess guesswork, but there is no enthusiasm for Joe Biden anywhere. I think I can say that without uh, any speculation. That is a fact. So whether it be uh, Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi uh, or CNN, uh, I mean, maybe NBC News is the last holdout, maybe. But there's re- everybody knows that this is shaping up to be a disaster. So, you know, it's up to Jill Biden. Jill Biden is the power broker inside the White House, like Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan. I wrote the book Killing Reagan. At the end, Nancy Reagan was pretty much calling the shots. And right now, Jill Biden is calling them. Folks, we're on with Bill O'Reilly. He's the host of No Spin News, and he's got a brand new book. We're about to dig right into it. It's called Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. And uh, today's the release date of the book. Let's get this book to number one. Grab your credit cards. Get two copies, one for yourself, one to give to a friend. This Killing series is phenomenal. Killing Jesus was one of the best I read. And uh, we're going to continue with Bill O'Reilly. Stay ahead. Don't don't go anywhere. It's me, Rich Valdez. We're coming right back with Bill O'Reilly. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen.
Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. So a bunch of years ago, I went to, I don't know, it was a fancy shindig in Lincoln Center. And uh, I met the author of a book. I actually I saw the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole production of Killing Jesus. And I uh, met the cast. It was fantastic. And then I met Bill O'Reilly. He's like seven feet tall, by the way. And uh, Killing Jesus, an amazing book. And there's been several killing editions uh, in the Killing series. And the latest in the Killing series is Killing the Witches, the horror of the Salem, Massachusetts, uh, excuse me, the horror of Salem, Massachusetts. And Bill O'Reilly's with us. Bill O'Reilly, welcome back. Let's let's talk about this because this is not uh, a topic I think that's frequently spoken about. Uh, but you have a way of digging into history and bringing out these pearls of wisdom that many of us didn't recognize or realize were there. Well, I appreciate that. Killing the Witches is the thirteenth uh, killing book, the most successful nonfiction book series of all time on this planet. Uh, Nineteen million copies of my books in print. Uh, Rich, and I'm glad you like Killing Jesus. That was an excellent, I thought, uh, book and movie. Did a nice job on that movie. Now, Witches is really three books in one. The horror of what happened in Massachusetts Bay, where 20 uh, innocent people were executed by the town government of Salem, people know about, but they don't know how it came about. So we begin on the Mayflower. Uh, and the voyage over to the New World from Plymouth, England, 66 days. And I put you right on that boat where you don't want to be. Everybody thinks, oh, Pilgrim's Thanksgiving, pass the stuffing. No, (laughs) this was really bad just coming over here. And most of the people who came over were Puritans, religious fanatics, zealots. And when they got here, they started to persecute each other. And so some people moved north, there was no Boston yet, to Salem, and uh, it evolved that little girls who were miserable because children couldn't even play under the Puritan doctrine started to say they were possessed by the devil. The witches brought the devil to them. And then we go through the whole thing. The second part of the book is Benjamin Franklin, a teenager, young teenager in Boston, who follows this and actually visits the chief witch hunter, Cotton Mather, in Boston, and takes what he learns from the Salem trials to Philadelphia, where there's a horrendous brawl over whether the new country, America, should be a theocracy, a Christian nation. So Patrick Henry, Roger Sherman in Connecticut, they wanted America to be branded a Christian nation. Franklin, Madison, and Jefferson did not. It was a hellacious brawl. We take you there, and then Franklin won. And that's why we have freedom of religion today, where all religions are supposed to be uh, respected. Then we go to modern times, Rich. There is an active witch hunt now, but it's not religion-based, it's political-based. And people are destroying other people on accusations, not on proof, not on due process, 
and lives are being ruined. And uh, one of the stories I use is an ESPN tennis reporter who was covering a Serena Williams match and said, oh, Miss Williams is using guerrilla tactics, like a guerrilla war, a fight, hit and run. The man was fired by ESPN (laughs) because he was accused by a New York Times stringer of being racist. Oh, my God. He was, he was referring to Gorilla G-U-E, not G-O-R. Right. Oh, boy. So the, the man is fired. He has a heart attack and almost dies. Oh, my God. Because he's so stunned that this happened to him. And there was no way to right the wrong. Still out of a job. I give you five, six examples of the witch hunt that is currently underway in, in America. Donald Trump. Many of his problems emanate from this political witch hunt, that this contrived political stuff that has been directed toward him 24-7. And like Salem, very few people stick up and fight against the witch hunt because if you do, you yourself are branded a witch. So in Salem, there were a lot of people that knew this was insane But if they said anything, they would be accused. And today, if you go up against the progressive corporate media, they're going to come for you. And the parallels are absolutely frightening. And then we get into demonic possession today. And I tell you the real story of the exorcist. Wasn't a girl, it was a boy in Maryland. And then what happened on the movie set when they made the film, and we got all the documentation, of course, all my books are very well researched and documented, it is harrowing. So there's a lot in Killing the Witches. And uh, I was going to keep you up at night. Great Halloween book, that's for sure. (laughs) Folks, we're on with Bill O'Reilly. He's the host of No Spin News, and he's the host of the brand-new book. It's out today. Grab a copy. Grab two, one for yourself, one to give to somebody. Killing the Witches, the Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. Now, Bill O'Reilly, you mentioned a couple of things. Uh, a, I love the parallels to today's cancel culture, um, you know, um, deep dive on anybody that's a political opponent. But you mentioned something about the harrowing experience that the Puritans endured on this uh, trek. And what was that like? Well, in Europe, they burned witches. So we open the book in the uh, preamble with a woman in Scotland being burned to death in Edinburgh. But in England, the king said, no, witches will be burned, they will be hanged. The Puritans in England did not want to obey the crown, and the king wanted to get rid of all of them. So a hundred of them were put on the Mayflower and sent to Virginia, only the Mayflower didn't get to Virginia. It got to Cape Cod. 66 days, and most of the time, the people could not even come up on deck because the weather was so bad. We put you right on that ship, what they eat. And you can imagine, 100 people jammed in the cargo hold, okay? Um, it, It was a horrendous experience that I would say 95% of Americans have no blanket idea about. So this is the kind of stuff that I give you in the killing books and uh, why we have 19 million copies in print. Outstanding.
Bill O'Reilly, uh, you have to come back and tell us more about it because I think the parallels that we see between then and now are becoming astounding. Even the demonic possession stuff, <laughs> there seems to be a rise in that. You know, I'm going to give the uh, Rich Valdez audience a um, a breaking story. Last night in Manhattan, I did a, an interview. I sat for an interview with Tucker Carlson. First time ever, O'Reilly Carlson. One hour. It breaks on X or Twitter, whatever it is, tomorrow night at 9. And he was fascinated by the demonic possession part of killing the witches. And we talk about cable news and a lot of other things, of course. So if you want to see that interview, you go to BillOReilly.com. We'll have a big banner. All you do is click it, and after 9 Eastern time, it will appear. And I think that people are going to be talking about that interview, Rich. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Uh, two, two titans in the game. Bill O'Reilly, author of Killing the Witches, The Horror of Salem, Massachusetts. I highly recommend you get a copy of the book. Get a second one to give away. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, like I said, we're going to have you back. I want to get the follow-up to it and also pick your brain. And before I let you go, what, what are your, your thoughts on uh, tomorrow's debate? Do you think there's any standouts, anybody expecting to, to kind of break out of their shell, anybody expecting to fizzle and disappear? Very difficult for um, these people um, because they're not well known. And in America today, a lot of voters want rock stars. I mean, they want, you know, that's why Trump was successful, because he just overwhelmed the regular politicians. So you have a bunch of people on the stage outside of Ramaswamy who's doing it all on personality. I had him on uh, BillOReilly.com's No Spin News last week. I like him. Uh, but he's not going to win. So I don't really see any threat to Trump right now. You know, I'll watch the debate respectfully, and but somebody would have to really break out in a in a big way, and I I don't know who that would be. Yeah, I think I, I think I echo that sentiment, folks. The book is "Killing the Witches: The Horror of Salem, Massachusetts." The author, Bill O'Reilly. Sir, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Thanks for sticking around with us tonight, and good luck with the book. Thanks for having me, uh, Rich, and we'll talk again soon, I hope. You bet, for sure. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. is night. This is Rich Valdez. Fascinating. You know, you talk about the Salem witch trials and uh, O'Reilly draws these parallels to today's political uh, discourse with, you know, people going after people, ostracizing people, seemingly wanting to to burn and ban conservatives at the stake. And it makes me think, you know, this this whole idea of demonic possession has always been a thing, right? I mean, since I was a kid, The Exorcist was a thing. It was a movie. It was 
the real deal. Uh, but it happens, right? And I've, I've actually met a couple of people through the years that had, you know, done like missionary trips to different parts of the world and participated in exorcisms and had described them. And they said, it's not always like the movie, but it is like the movie. And it was fascinating. And I'm looking at this piece um, in uh, on foxnews.com. Listen to this headline. It's from, uh, from April. The uh, ex- an actual real-life exorcist reveals signs of demonic possession, responds to this new demon movie. It talks about levitation and how pupils turn green. This guy is a priest. His name is Father Lampert. He's served as a priest for almost 32 years. And he's a Catholic priest and the designated exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. He's witnessed people foaming at the mouth, growling, snarling, and um, other obscene behavior during one of many exorcisms throughout his career. It's pretty interesting stuff. I know some people listening going, Rich, what are you talking about? Let's get back to Biden. No, hang on. Stick with me. Exorcism is this ancient rite in the Catholic Church that is at its core, Father Lampert says, a prayer directed to God or directed against demons. That prayer has the power of commanding a demon to depart of the body of a human based on the power and authority of Christ, is what Father Lampert explains. And if you've seen the movie, you've seen that. Uh, He goes on to say, an exorcism really is a command to the demon to reveal itself, and then once the demon reveals itself, the battle against it will begin. The battle can take many forms, Father Lampert said, that he's seen everything from levitation of the body to someone dropping to the ground and beginning to slither like a snake across the floor. Others have their eyes rolled to the back of their heads at the sight of an exorcism. Father Lampert said that there can also be a drop in temperature in the room, as well as horrible stenches and bad odors. It's a very unusual experience, even for a priest. Father Lampert uh, was first appointed as an exorcist in 2005. He became one of only 12 uh, appointed exorcists in the United States. He had his training in Rome. He sat in on 40 exorcisms in just three months. So Rome is a busy place for the demons. He has also served as a priest for almost 32 years. um, And he's been an exorcist, like I said, since 05. But Father Lampert's work has only become busier, according to this article, uh, over the years, he, he uh, mentioned that there are thousands that have reached out to him every single year, and he says he currently receives 3,500 requests a year from people all over the world that are looking for exorcisms. Isn't that something? I mean, I'm grateful. I've never really had to to go through this. <laughs> I, I, I see people in my family that are nuts and people on the street that are nuts, but I've never been like, hold on, quick, get me an exorcist. But apparently people do see that and seek this type of help. Uh, He described the signs that a person has been possessed by a demon. Some speak with a very deep authoritative voice. He said that their complexion changes. It becomes darker. He also said that he's seen the eyes of a person possessed turn green and their pupils become like a serpent. Father Lampert uh, puts it this way. These are all signals of a demon trying to say, don't mess with me because I'm more powerful than you. Crazy. Uh, Lampert explained why exorcisms are not filmed or released by the church. He said it's basically to protect the identity of the person who's possessed. 
and acknowledge that some critics argue that filming exorcisms would provide the best proof for the validity of an exorcism. And he took issue with that, saying that if people believe that and they were confronted with video evidence, that it would ultimately ruin the the confidentiality with with the with the layperson and the clergy. I think uh, and he final quote from him he says I think we all know that we live in an age where technology can be manipulated. So even if one were to claim they had a video of an exorcism, it doesn't mean that all doubt would go away. And I think that's fair. I think it's kind of like if you see a video of Joe Biden doing something crazy, all he has to do is say, "Oh, it's a deep fake. I've got hairy legs." And then that's it, right? Then it's all over. So uh, fascinating topic here. Um, grateful that uh, O'Reilly pointed this out in his book. Uh, it's honestly something I've never really explored, but I find fascinating. So maybe we'll get into that. Maybe we'll bring Father Lampert on or get some other exorcist on to talk about their experiences. Uh, but anyway, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. That's Speaker McCarthy saying, let's not shut down the government. Let's not shut down the government. And of course, they're going to beat him up the most if there's a government shutdown. That's exactly what the Democrats always do. They blame the Republicans. They'll blame the Republican leadership. But the reality is I think we can get a lot achieved in a government shutdown because it puts the Democrats under pressure, even though they try to shift that pressure over to Republicans. And that's exactly what Joe L. Baboso Biden did. Listen to this. Shutdowns going to risk nutrition assistance to nearly 7 million moms and children. It's going to disproportionately affect black families. The Department of Housing and Urban Development will have to stop nearly all of its enforcement work fighting housing discrimination. EPA would have to stop its important work bringing environmental justice and frontline and fenceline communities because most of the inspections and hazardous waste sites and chemical facilities would come to a halt. The historic work we're doing to increase the share of federal contract dollars going to small disadvantaged businesses would be disrupted. Funding the government is one of the most basic fundamental responsibilities of the Congress. And if the Republicans in the House don't start doing their job, we should stop electing them. Well, there you the first time ever, right? There you have it. The first time ever. Joe El Baboso Biden said something I agree with. If Republicans ain't going to do their jobs, then we should just stop voting for them. I agree with that. If Republicans and Democrats are not doing their jobs, we should definitely stop voting for them. But, of course, he tries to pin this on Republicans as if it's solely a Republican issue. It is not. Uh, it's almost like we have an uh, allergic reaction 
to these politicians actually doing their jobs, and uh, that has to stop. They've got to do what they've got to do. Speaking of allergies, I want to jump into that because everybody seems to have the sniffles lately, and it's not always COVID or what you think. It's allergies in many ways. So we're going to talk about that straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez, and we're just getting started. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And it's another Tuesday night edition of the program. If you want to give us a call, feel free to do so, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And a couple of quick headlines for you as we're looking at this. Uh, Hunter Biden's received $250,000 in wires from China uh, in 2019, and the beneficiary address listed on these bank wires. Guess who? Joel Baboso's home, his Delaware home where he keeps his Corvette and all of his um, stolen classified documents. That same address is where Hunter Biden was receiving this quarter million dollars. Go figure. But yet that's never happened, right? We won't hear about that. And when we do, uh, it's, it's everything's okay. Anyway, that's one of the things. Then there's seven candidates that have qualified for the second Republican debate. That's tomorrow. And we're going to have some analysis on that and we'll be dipping into it live. So don't miss that tomorrow, the uh, Republican presidential debate tomorrow. And let me see, what else do we have here? Uh, people are filing for bankruptcy in record number. And uh, that doesn't surprise me with inflation the way it is, the way things cost, housing costs, uh, energy costs. It makes tons of sense to me. And listen to this one. This is an interesting one. We'll get to this in open phones a little bit. Hunter Biden is now suing Rudy Giuliani for computer fraud and data access, saying that he uh, violated those um, provisions when he uh, obtained a copy of Hunter Biden's laptop, which was abandoned at the uh, repair shop in Delaware. So uh, we'll get into that. Now, something that I think a lot of people are dealing with, I know I am, Anytime I'm outside and I sneeze, anytime I'm outside and my nose gets dry, anytime I have that little dry cough in the back of my throat, and they're like, are you sneezing? Are you coughing? What are you doing? Like, I don't know. I think it's allergies. And they're like, oh, my allergies are so bad this year, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if you remember, early in the spring, this was one of the greenest, right? The most pollen I'd ever seen in my entire life. I have a black car. It was constantly green. It was brutal, like April, May, June. And uh, I thought that was the height of allergy season, but it seems to be coming back. I've seen little kids that are all scratchy throat and, and sniffling, and it seems allergies are worse now than they have been in a while. And AccuWeather.com uh, put out a report. I want you to check it out. Listen to this. If you found yourself sneezing or coughing lately, you're not alone. Seasonal allergies are affecting millions of people. While tree pollen causes allergy symptoms in the spring, ragweed and mold trigger them in the fall. 
Depending on where you live, your symptoms may be better or worse than normal this year. AccuWeather allergy expert Alan Reppert says parts of the Northeast have seen high pollen levels over the last several weeks, and that will likely continue through October. The story is the same in parts of the West. Especially in the mountains, uh, Nevada, Idaho, uh, Utah, and even parts of uh, Arizona are going to see some pretty high levels of pollen. Cooler weather in the northern plains will keep pollen levels low through the end of the season, while the opposite is expected in the southeast. So that's the report from AccuWeather.com. They're saying it's going to get worse, and uh, we're just hitting the height of this stuff now. And I'm thinking, man, that's terrible. I don't normally get allergies, and they're not really bad right now, but definitely I'm getting that scratchy throat. And I don't usually get them at this time of year. I think allergy season used to end around November, and here we are at the end of September, and people are starting to act up. So I wanted to get to the bottom of this with uh, board-certified family physician, Dr. Jill Wagoner. And she's written eight books on wellness. You might know her from her website, AskDrJill.net. You can also find her online at Ask at AskDrJill. Dr. Jill Wagoner, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I really, uh, this is one of those things where, you know, uh, we talk about everything on this program. And one of the things uh, that we probably don't talk about enough is allergies. And for years, my doctors told me to, um, I used to take Allegra and then that, that wasn't really great. And the one that worked best for me seemed to be Zyrtec, but I just kind of got out of the habit of taking it. And then all of a sudden I had all these allergy symptoms again. So uh, obviously I think people who follow the doctor's orders and take their allergy meds are doing better, but there's even been some reports that some allergy meds aren't working and we'll get to that maybe in the next segment. Uh, but what's your take on allergy season this far? Is it the same, normal, worse? What say you? What I'm seeing is that it, it seems to really be a lot worse uh, this year. And, you know, from season to season and, and year to year, things will kind of wax and wane. And then some years we just have a really tough year. And it, it seems to be that we're in the midst of one of those this season. And what, what do you think is it, uh, the contributing factor to that? Is it that we have more pollen, that there was those chemical explosions in Ohio? Because I know they were saying that early in the spring, that that was going to affect the air quality in the Northeast. Um, is there a particular reason? Is it because of, you know, um, other ailments that are exacerbating people's um, immune systems to be weakened? What, what, what do you think? Well, when you look at the information, um, the quote-unquote experts think that it's just a, a lot of contributing factors. Uh, we have, you know, more pollution and carbon dioxide in some places. And you remember from some science class somewhere that plants actually do very well with carbon dioxide. And so sure. they grow more. Uh, and so you have a proliferation of, of plants. In some places, we've had more rain. In some places, it's been drier. In some places, we've had rain followed by, um, you know, a heat spell, which is what we've had in Texas. It was dry forever. And then we got rain and it just kind of poured. And now it's hot again. All of those kinds of things just contribute to growth of the plants. And when we have lots of growth and proliferation and you add that to all of the other respiratory stuff that we've got going on, we just have a real issue uh, and people end up suffering in some instances. Now, I want to get into a little bit of um, the um, recommended 
treatment. I know, like I said, uh, I find that um, ceridazine or whatever it's called works well for me, but I know others have used Benadryl and other things. What's, um, what are you prescribing? Well, you know, uh, for years I did just like everybody else and said, just go and get you something over the counter. Most of them have phenylephedrine in them. Uh, They work well as decongestants, or at least we thought they worked well as decongestants until recently. So I've said for many years to patients, rinsing your nasal cavities is a good thing. You know, if you go out and you're inhaling the stuff in the atmosphere and in the air, if you just wash that off your nasal mucosa with a little saline, that helps for a lot of people. I also am really um, adamant about telling patients to make sure that they hydrate adequately because you want to keep those secretions thin uh, because if they get thick, then you're congested and now you've got this thick mucus, and you're more likely uh, to develop infections. So that if you're out and about and you've been outside for a long time, you're getting exposed to those allergens. When you come inside, make sure you take those clothes off and you wash, you know, your body and get it off of you. And if you're a person um, that has hair that collects um, stuff, you know, that's uh, sticky or thick or any of that, then you just want to wash everything, including your hair. Wow, kind of like a like a hazmat scenario. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> rinse everything off. You know, it's funny you say that. That that actually happened to me, and I, for years the doctor has said that. And it's, there's a lot of things doctors say, and after a while you start to think that never happens. Come on, cut it out. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you, uh, I, 45 this year. I turned 45 in May, and it was around that time that we had those Canadian wildfires. So right before those wildfires, I. Um, I had allergies because my car was green and there was pollen everywhere and it was bad. Worst it's been in a while. And I kept forgetting to take the the allergy medicine. And the next thing you know, this thing got worse. The post-nasal drip became horrible. I guess some bacteria built up in the back of my throat or wherever. And the next thing you know, I have bronchitis. And um, I, I couldn't believe it. It was so debilitating. I had it for like uh, eight or nine days. Where, and I had to work. So I sounded like a robot. It sounded like I was gargling with sand. It was terrible. And here I am, um, you know, living proof that y- you have to do the, 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 the rinses and you have to take the allergy medicine during allergy season. Uh, do you see that happening a lot? There's a lot of people like me that are stubborn and hard-headed and don't do what they're told. <laughs> of course not. Everybody does what their doctor tells them. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and now there are some people that uh, you know they do things religiously, uh, but there are a lot of people you just get busy and 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 you feel good and you think, oh, I'm okay. I'll miss it today, and before you know it. It's been several days. But what I really see is in little people, you know, little children, they go out, they play, uh, and then they come in and they may or may not get their allergy medicines. And then it just goes to be a whole problem. But yeah, I mean, uh, it happens all the time that people stop taking medicines. And and who wants to take medicines every day that are just not absolutely necessary? And so if it's not something that's life-threatening, many people just, it's not that they mean to forget it, but one day turns into two. And before you know it, their symptoms are back. So when you talk about the little people, uh, I've seen this as well. I'm a father of two. They're a little bit bigger now, but I remember there were plenty of times where I didn't even think it was allergies, 
uh, just out of nowhere, they would just, you know, pop up with ear infections, pop up with right. this cough that wouldn't go away. And not like whooping cough or anything, but this like dry cough that sounded like, and it, eventually it was allergies. And again, left untreated becomes other things. What do you recommend to parents uh, of small children or grandparents who are taking care of their, uh, you know, five and six-year-old kids, uh, grandchildren? What should they be doing? Um, should they be taking the liquid version of Benadryl, Zyrtec, those types of things, uh, Mucinex, if they have a lot of phlegm? What do you recommend? I think if they have symptoms that are significant enough that, you know, the child is ill or uh, it's interfering with their ability to function, then, yeah, you want to give them something. The thing with little people, you don't want to give them medication if you don't have to. And then if you do, you want to give, you know, the lowest dose. You want to give medications that don't have several things in them. So, you know, for adults, you will often get some of the allergy stuff, and it has a decongestant, and it has an antihistamine, and it has a mucus and all those things together. In little people, you really want to make sure that you get a single medicine. So you want to have antihistamine if they need it. If they need a mucus thinner, you want to do that as opposed to the combinations. You want to do it consistently when they need it. So for instance, if I have a young person that has a flare-up of their allergies, I may have their parent or guardian to give them their medicine every day for a week. And then we see if we can can back out off of it. So we'll be able to calm those symptoms down and then see if we can do the other things and try to get it under control. Folks, we're on with Dr. Jill Wagoner. She's a board-certified physician in family medicine. Her website, askdrjill.net. And we're going to be taking your calls on allergies and uh, related topics straight ahead. The phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America, welcome back. We're on with Dr. Jill Wagoner. She's a board-certified family physician. Uh, her website, askdrjill.net. And Dr. Jill, I just got a, a message that came in. Um, mom has a six-year-old. says that she's had this dry cough typically at night, thinks it might be dust. She's using a, what does it say here, a um, humidifier, which seems to help as well as um, liquid children's Zyrtec and Mucinex. Uh, they're on two weeks of this, and there still hasn't been much improvement. She's also giving some organic honey. Mm-hmm. What do you say? Well, the first thing I say, if you're, it's a child and they are having issues at night, the first thing is to look at their bedroom and see what's going on. A lot of times uh, there'll be stuffed animals or something like that mm-hmm. that are just dust magnets. So when parents are cleaning up, you know, they're going for the obvious dust. 
the dust that's on, you know, the headboard, that kind of thing. But they never think about the uh, stuffed animals. So that's one thing. The other thing is the coverings on the bed. So, of course, the sheets and those kinds of things are changed. But bed spreads, sometimes children will come in and they've been playing. They may lay something on the bed or they may sit on the bed themselves. Well, that pollen and those allergens will be on those coverings. So those are some of the things that I really uh, would tell her that she wanna she'd want to look at and, and kind of make sure that those are okay. And then the final thing is if it doesn't get better, then obviously if it's going on for weeks, I think it's time to kind of go in and, and let the, the doc listen to lungs and look at throats and ears and those kinds of things to make sure that there's not something else going on. And let everybody know about your website. What can they expect when they visit AskDrJill.net? <laughs> um, I try to have uh, some of the latest information uh, about various things, um, uh, things that I think are, are important for people to know. I've got some supplements on there, and uh, my books are available uh, on there. Um, I also have some uh, information and, and fun things when I go to speak to groups. I'm on all social media, so I, I will um, put information out there as well. Uh, and all of it is at Ask Dr. Jill. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Jill, I want to thank you for being with us. It, it really was uh, an enlightening conversation, uh, stuff that, for, at least for me, uh, I don't want to have to go through that again. Getting bronchitis, bronchitis excuse me, when you um, work in radio, it's, uh, it's really, really, you know, it's, it's a real occupational hazard. So I don't want to go through that again. And I appreciate your, uh, your information. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Thank you. And folks, straight ahead, I want to get into a conversation on Democrats that are becoming Republicans and the reason for their switch. And we saw it happen recently. The mayor of Dallas uh, switched over. We've seen it happen in New Jersey with uh, Congressman Jeff Van Drew a couple of years ago. And there's more and more of these cases that are happening. And many of them cite the same types of things, you know, the in ineffectiveness of certain policies, whether it's border policy or uh, certain um, health care policies. Uh, in this case, this woman was uh, the mother, she is the mother, of a war hero, served in the United States military, came back home, and was killed by violent criminals in New York City. And she became a victim rights advocate to uh, try to bring light to the issue. And now she's decided to run for Congress as a Republican, taking on the Democrats. And uh, we actually played some audio of her before she announced her run for Congress. She went to a congressional hearing as a witness, and uh, she really gave them an earful. So she's coming up next. Her name is Madeline Brame, and you don't want to miss it. Very plain-spoken New Yorker, a mom of a war hero, a fallen war hero now, and uh, she means business. So, folks, stick around for that. We're going to talk about politics as well with her. And your calls, 833-482-5337, 833 833- for Valdez. Don't go anywhere. We're just getting started.
This is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, familia, welcome back. And uh, I want to give you the phone number again. We're going to be taking calls this segment and the next. Uh, 833-482-5337, 833-4VALDEZ. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, I welcome you to do so. And back in April, uh, Madeline Brame, she's the mother of a, of a fallen hero. He served in the United States military. He went to Afghanistan, came back was back home in New York City when he was violently attacked and murdered. And she made it her mission to um, honor his legacy, honor his life by becoming a national crime victim's right advocate. And fighting for victims' rights is something that's important to her. Uh, She has been outspoken in the community and has supported Democrats. But it wasn't until her son was killed that she realized Democrats are letting her down. And she appeared uh, as a witness before Congress back in April. And we have a clip of that audio that I have a couple of clips and I'll probably play them both for you. Uh, But uh, she's very outspoken and she's telling the truth. Listen to this. And as far as the Manhattan district attorney's office, if he's receiving one penny of federal dollars, you need to pull that funding until he starts doing his damn job and prosecuting crime. I was totally disrespected. Me, my family, my grandchildren, we were treated like garbage. Like garbage. I've sat for four and a half years and saw mothers walk in and out. We have a mother sitting here right now whose son, two sons, one died and the other one is on a colonoscopy bag. This is out of Darcel Clark's jurisdiction. So I'm not the only one. There are hundreds and thousands of us. We don't give a damn about your politics. We don't care. It could be the man from the moon who's running for president. Okay? As long as whoever's in there, it stands for law and order and is going to return some civility and sanity to our city. Thank you. Of course, that's Madeline Brame, uh, again, the, the mom of, uh, of a slain Marine. And uh, this, her son, a veteran who was murdered, she made national headlines after that heated exchange uh, with the House Judiciary Committee uh, that they held a special hearing in New York. And uh, I felt her passion then, and, and I met her subsequently after that, and we had a conversation, and I was really impressed with her. And uh, she'll be joining us shortly. But I wanted to point this out because she's decided to buck the system and to say, you know what, she supported Democrats for years, and she's running as a Republican for Congress in New York's uh, 16th district. And it, it, it's quite an unfortunate story. Uh, it really is, you know. And, and one of the quotes from her uh, testimony, she says, I've been so ostracized. I've been so shunned and ignored by these people that are in power for all these years. Not just me, but all victims. And uh, she also went on on Fox News and said, I would be very angry if he was willing to listen to me express myself and then we could put our heads together and try and come up with some solutions. That would work. 
talking about, uh, you know, those that are in power, Biden, Alvin Bragg and the rest. Uh, she took exception to Alvin Bragg because of the lack of prosecution. And she's been a critic of his because she says he's too lenient on the city's most violent criminals. And I can't help but agree with that, right? I think we talk about that all the time. Violent crime is always seemingly, lamentably, on the rise. And it's something that I don't know that any of us, I mean, of course, we can put our finger on saying, oh, yeah, this is happening because of these stupid policies. And we kind of had a discussion on that last night where, uh, sadly, you've got so many big cities that are run by Democrats where people have decided we're just not going to prosecute the criminals. So much so that you've got the city of Seattle, which we talked about last night with uh, Jason Rantz. They're, they're now recriminalizing, or at least, you know, in, in a sort of way, they had decriminalized public drug use, which leads to all sorts of crime. And now the state has criminalized it and they're acknowledging the state statute. And, you know, it's kind of political sleight of hand. But they're doing it because they're trying to appease the people. The people don't want to see this. People that pay rent, pay property taxes and live in Seattle or any other big city. Nobody wants to see that the people that you're counting on to keep your city clean, to keep it safe, to keep you safe, to keep your family safe, are the same people that are promoting this crime. But that's where we are. And and it begs the question, why on earth would anybody willingly vote for any politician that embraces those policies, which happen to be Democrats. And I don't know that I have the answer for that. I really don't. And I don't know if you do either. If you do, give me a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. But, I mean, time and again, we see one brutal, brutal uh, story after the next. A few nights ago, the story uh, from a month ago, but we talked about it a few nights ago, was the story of two young boys that were 17 and 16 respectively who ran over a retired police chief for fun and videotaped the whole thing. I mean, just absolutely evil, very, very wicked. And we have more and more of this, at least I can see more. The media is reporting more and more of it. Maybe it's always been prevalent and I didn't know. I doubt that. I think we're definitely seeing a rise in that. Time and again, one thing after the next. Listen to this one. This is from today. Brutes savagely beat and rob a man eating a pizza in daylight attack in crime-ridden Chicago. A Chicago man is enjoying a slice of pizza when he's savagely beaten and robbed by two brutes in a brazen daylight attack. The whole thing was caught on camera. A day before the House Judiciary Committee visited Chicago to hear testimony about how soft on crime policies, which I like to call pro-crime progressive prosecutors that coddle criminals. They're saying that these policies have turned the Windy City into an active war zone. The victim was an unidentified 33-year-old person. Doesn't say if he's a man or a woman. Walking down a residential alleyway in Bucktown around 2.55 p.m. when two males ran up from behind and delivered a brutal sucker punch. Now it says his, so I guess it was a guy. They a brutal sucker punch to the guy's head. Unbelievable. <clears throat> wow. 
Unbelievable reading this here. They kept beating him and beating him with their fists and their feet. The guy started yelling at them. The victim tried to resist. The brawl spilled across the alleyway, and he managed to bring one of the attackers to the ground until the other assailant began stomping him with his feet. Just let it go. Let it go, the attackers were heard saying as they tried to peel away the victim's backpack. Even as cars across the street blared on their horn in apparent attempt to try and distract them, the thieves eventually got hold of the bag and what appeared to be a cell phone but still delivered one final stomp before calmly walking away. And they got some screen grabs in this article. I mean, just absolutely brutal. And witnesses who were across the street, they told CBS News that they stayed with the victim until the police arrived. And despite bruising, the guy seemed all right, thank God. But it's just crazy to see that, you know, this used to happen at night in an alleyway. This isn't like a a dark alleyway. It's the middle of the day. This has been a disturbing, according to the article here, a disturbing 29% increase in major crime. That includes murder, sexual assault, robbery, theft, aggravated battery. That's just this year alone as they compare it to 2022 almost a 30% increase in murder, sexual assault, robbery, theft, and aggravated battery. Specifically, robberies are up 24% this year alone compared to last year. Now, since 2019, there's been a staggering 54% increase in major crime across the city. And that's according to the data that they've compiled. I got to tell you, excuse me, this isn't good. You went from Lori Lightfoot to this new guy, I forget his name right now, and he seems to be worse. Crime seems to be worse. The Democrat policies seem to be worse. And people, you know, they take exception when I say things like that. Why don't you beat up on the Republicans? For what? I, you find me a Republican that's overseeing a town where crime is rampant and out of control. People always tell me, oh, how about Miami? That guy's a Republican. Yeah, listen, how about Miami? Them too. But again, th- their numbers aren't, similar to this, although for a while they were, and nobody gets a pass. You got to hold it down, whether you're a Democrat or Republican. But by and large, this is the result of Democrats embracing this pro-crime, progressive propaganda that prosecutors are pushing to coddle criminals. It makes them emboldened. It makes them stronger. And ultimately, they think they can do whatever they want whenever they want to do it. And the assailants are getting younger and younger. This has to stop. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. Our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
my hands across America to the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, amigos, welcome back. And uh, President Trump, switching gears to politics real quick, uh, he was in Somerville, South Carolina yesterday, and he was um, just railing on President Joel Baboso Biden uh, for putting illegal immigrants over our veterans. And I got to say, that's wrong, right? I mean, the veterans, whether they've sacrificed life and limb or not, are prepared to, and they're here. Whether they're resident aliens, green card holders, you could be a green card holder and go to the army. If you've served in uniform, I think you need to to be acknowledged. And if you've come across the border at Biden's invitation, not that you shouldn't be acknowledged, but you shouldn't take precedence over a veteran of the United States military. And I think uh, former President Trump was very was very spot on in his comments. Listen to this. Biden puts China first, Mexico first, Ukraine first, Europe first, Asia first, illegal aliens first above our great veterans. You know that puts the illegal aliens above our veterans. Our veterans live like hell. And uh, you know what? You see what's happening. Do you ever see the illegal aliens? The one, the weirdest thing, they come in by the tens of thousands, sometimes a day. And they all have, they have cell phones. I'm saying, where do they get the cell phones? Everybody has a cell phone. They're all talking on these beautiful cell phones. And they're expensive ones, too. They're nice ones. Somebody who's into that said, those are good phones. And then I say, who, pay, who pays their bills? Who's paying the bills, Marjorie? Do you want to check that? I'll give it to Marjorie. She'll figure that one out fast. No, but you ever notice? They're all coming in with cell phones. Our veterans don't have cell phones, do they? But they put illegal aliens first and everyone first, but he puts America last. He puts our military last. He puts our veterans last. He puts workers last. He puts small businesses last. He puts everything that's good and proper last. He puts it last. It's crazy. I put America first every single time. Trump says he's putting America first every single time. I think he has a track record of doing that. But the the more important point here is how Biden, the Democrats, just have not. Their version of America first is making sure that you don't have a gas stove. Their version of America first is making sure that you don't have a gas-operated vehicle. Somehow the relentless pursuit of saving our environment, which again— uh, is questionable at times, but we should be responsible for what happens in our environment, but not to the point where we're harming ourselves, harming our economy, putting ourselves in a bad position and ignoring everything else, ignoring our veterans, ignoring our military, ignoring our economy. We can't do that. Look at this story coming in uh, regarding the economy and crime. Target. Everybody knows Target. Everybody's been there once or twice, right? I know I've been there. Oh, it froze on me. But Target is now closing nine stores. 
Now, you get to guess. Which ones are they closing? Well, they're closing New York City location because of theft. They're closing San Francisco. There's a couple of others, but listen to this. They're coming out, they're pulling out of Harlem because of rampant theft and violence. One of nine stores that Target is going to be closing in crime-riddled cities across the country. I mean, this is so sad. Again, I'm I'm no apologist for Target. I mean, I, I don't even shop at Target, really. But every now and again, I'll go there, but I try not to. But my bottom line here is you don't want to see American businesses, especially big box retailers, going out of business because they're getting robbed by the people from the neighborhood or from other neighborhoods who are coming to that neighborhood just to rob them. It doesn't make any sense for our economy. It's a horrible thing. They're also closing the uh, stores in Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. Does any of that come as a surprise? Harlem, Seattle, Portland, San Francisco. Democrat, 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 Democrat. Come on, people. We have to do better. Anyway, folks, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. Here's the number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. It's me, Rich Valdez. I'm here. Uh, if you want to get at us online, you can on social media. I'm on all the social media at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez. And I, I just wanted to uh, thank everybody that came out. I spent the weekend. I wanted to mention this yesterday. I spent the weekend um, on Saturday, uh, a couple of hours with the great one, Mark Levin, uh, at his book signing in Ridgewood, New Jersey at Bookends. Great bookstore, by the way. And there was a thousand people there waiting to get their books signed. And uh, so many people were very nice to me, those that remembered me from that show, those that listened to this show. And it was just so nice to be able to meet some of the listeners. So those of you that made it out and uh, supported Mark and his book, uh, kudos to you guys. Great meeting you guys. And I also want to tell you that we're going to continue our discussion on violent crime because there's a few odd ones out there that are somewhat disturbing, but I'm going to share them with you straight ahead because I think it's important that we talk about this stuff. I mean, you got a a woman who just killed her mother, uh, a student that found meth on a teacher, and uh, a fast food restaurant person that pulled a gun on a customer. That one's probably a little more sane than the others. (laughs) But we're going to discuss that straight ahead with you. So pick up the phone, give us a call, 833-482-5337. 8334-VALDEZ. Open Phone America starts right now.
live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of these social media. It is the Tuesday night edition of the program, 833-482-5337 is our phone number, 833-4-VALDEZ. And I want to invite you to call. If you've never called the show before, tonight's a good night to call because I'm really looking for as many varied opinions as we can get. Uh, and I love talking to first-time callers. But I can tell you that the, this stuff on violent crime really is is just fascinating to me because it's always out there and you always hear things. But it seems like the stories are getting more and more outlandish, more and more evil, more and more crazy. Uh, listen to this one. And again, this is not even violent crime. This is drug use. And uh, we're going to get to that momentarily. But this story on violent crime that I wanted to get to is out of Ohio. Look at this. This is a horrific story. And I try to shy away from these because, honestly, I just feel bad. But an Ohio woman killed her mom with a frying pan and a knife. And she did it over bad grades. A woman named Sidney Powell, not the woman that defended President Trump, but another woman named Sidney Powell. She hid her expulsion from Mount Union University from her parents for months. So she was expelled. Didn't tell mom and dad. And she bludgeoned her mother with a frying pan and stabbed her dozens of times, 31 times, in fact, after her parents found out she was kicked out of college for poor grades. Her name, Sydney Powell, 23 years old, from Akron, Ohio. She was convicted last week on two counts of murder, felonious assault and tampering with evidence for the killing of her 50-year-old mother, Brenda Powell, in the family home. Sydney, who has been out on bail since her arraignment. Now, listen, I didn't even know you got bail for murdering your mom with a frying pan and a knife. I had no idea. I thought they would hold you for being a lunatic. Uh, But what do I know? She was crying when the jury verdict was read in the court. And then she was immediately taken into custody. Her attorney said they were disappointed with the jury's verdict. We felt that the science overwhelmingly proved insanity and we're going to file an appeal. I mean, listen, just because you're crazy doesn't mean you don't get to go to jail, right? Or is that how it works? You you just get put in the the loony bin for for 30 years instead of in prison for 30 years. I don't know. I got to tell you, um, that whole guilty by reason of insanity, I mean, good luck, right? I mean, if you're crazy, you're crazy. This seems to me she got angry. I don't know if you can get get angry and then go crazy. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I don't know. I know there's that whole crime of passion thing, but I don't think this fits the bill there. But this is a horrible story. Horrible story. And again, this this thing has been going on for a while. The trial just happened. Uh, But the the original incident happened uh, a while back. 
And I got to tell you, I mean, when you read a story like this and you see this type of crazy out there, you got to think, what is going on? What's happening with mental health? What is happening with children? What is, where is, where is society headed? Right? I mean, I'm just, I'm really beside myself on this one. So uh, that, that's one of the stories I want to get into. There's another story uh, about a fast food employee who pulled out a gun. And this happened about a year ago, but the video just uh, hit the airwaves uh, today or this week. And uh, we're going to get into that momentarily. But I want to get to your calls. I know that there's a few people holding on. Again, the phone number 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to the middle of the country, Michigan. Check in with Kim. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hi, Rich. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about a couple things. I want to talk about the strikers in with GM, and then I want to talk about the crime in the big cities, please. Sure. Um, now, now with the um, the strikers, they. GM went through a lot. I know um, Saginaw, where I grew up, was a big GM town. We had like 12 to 15 GM plants, and a lot of them are gone, you know, and Mm -hmm. they're plowed over. They're brown zones, you know, where they can't build anything because it's so polluted and everything. But um, anyways, we know about GM, and um, these people, during the bankruptcy, for one thing— um, GM, they said was too big to fail. So they gave, uh, Obama gave them like 60 billion in, um, like loans or something. Well, they paid most of it back, but they didn't pay the last 10 billion because, um, Obama overestimated the, um, what the new GM stock would sell for. He thought it'd sell for like 90 some dollars and it only ended up selling for 40 or 50, something like that. But um, that's, he, he overestimated because they canceled out the old, everything to do with the old GM and then had new GM stock. Now, a lot of the things that came out of that, they had a tier system. They had the old employees that remained there. They did a lot of buyouts. People got $35,000 to buy out and leave and take their retirement and go. The ones that stayed, they let keep their higher wages, and the new people were hired at much lower wages. And also, they got rid of real pensions. You know, they had really good pensions, and they, they went to, um, to 401 ks these people that are striking want to go back to real pensions. Nobody almost has real pensions anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. And another thing, um, the 40% pay hike over three or four years is just bizarre. That's just going to make the inflation even more. And they want to work 32 hours and get paid for 40, which is I mean, nurses can do that because they're highly educated in science and the medical field, and they can work, they can do that because they're in high demand and they're highly educated. <clears throat> of course. But I think I think the market should determine this stuff, like the McDonald's people that said, we're worth 15 or $20 an hour. No, you're worth what an employer would pay you and if somebody will come in and work cheaper. But basically I think this is all bizarro world stuff with this GM strike down there. They should look at Saginaw, Flint, Pontiac, Detroit, you know, they're 
two or three of these cities, Saginaw and Detroit, are almost always on the high crime list because they're almost vacant, you know? They're like they, uh, Just now, they came out with the 10 most dangerous cities, and the first five were Saginaw and Detroit. And, um, anyway, Do people still that, live in Flint? I, I just, <laughs> um, yeah, they do, but um, but uh, it, it was a whole line of cities along there that were all big GM towns, and then they the, the they demanded too much, demanded too much, and then the cars were junky too. I switched to Japanese cars back in '82 because I got tired of sitting in dealers with new cars trying to get them fixed. You know, there were a lot of problems with them. You know, and I've had some of my Japanese cars are built here. I had a Honda that was built in Ohio, and I think mm-hmm. my Mazda I just bought. And that, is, I just wanted to share here. with you. I had the same experience. I remember buying a Ford in, uh, I think it was 06 or 08, and brand new, peeled the window sticker off when I got home, and and I, you know, it, it made in the USA, engine from Germany, transmission from France. And I thought, what kind of American car is this? <laughs> you know, uh, and and a friend of mine had bought a Toyota, and guess what? The Toyota was all made um, in in Detroit at that time. <laughs> Isn't that so? Yeah, and I thought, you know, I yeah. said, I think we're buying the wrong stuff here. Uh, you know, if you really want an American-made <laughs> car, you you've got to get the uh, the Japanese car. It's made in America. It was just so bizarre. And uh, I think you bring up yeah. a good point with that. The other part with the pensions and all that, listen, this is something, and, and again, I know people don't like this stuff, but I, I've lived real life. You know, I worked in a government job where I paid into a pension system, and I've worked in plenty of corporate jobs where there was never a pension ever in my existence as a 45-year-old man. I've never had a pension other than when I worked in the government. Now, Somebody could turn to me and say, well, that's because you're an idiot and, you know, you, you should have done better. But the, the issue I, I find is when you're spending other people's money like the government does by way of taxation, it's easy to, to agree to give away lots of money in different things that, you know, pensions and other perks. Uh, it's not as easy when there's a bottom line and you have um, shareholders and you're running a business. And I think that's what's happening here. And again, I'm not saying that they're not worth whatever they're saying. I also would love a 40% increase uh, in my salary. I think most people would. And if you can negotiate for it, great. God bless you. I don't think that they should uh, be prevented from negotiating for that. But I think you're right. At the end of the day, people are going to get what's able to happen, especially when Mm -hmm. there are, I don't know, an army of people daily arriving at the border, many of them young men that would love to likely have a job. And so when you have this, you know, you're negotiating for work and Biden's saying he's going to give everybody uh, a permit to work, work authorization, you've got to ask yourself when you're negotiating with your employer, look, those are low-skilled people that may not know how to do X, Y, and Z, and I'm a very high-skilled person that speaks English and knows what I'm doing. But at some point you have to realize you can negotiate yourself out of a job. Um, at the Wawa yep. near me, they put all these kiosks in and there's less people. And we keep seeing that. And this seems to happen every time they start negotiating for higher minimum wages. So I just think ultimately the, the request has to be realistic. Now, I know you wanted to talk about crime and I want to get your opinion on that as well, Kim. Uh, first of all, this story about this young lady in Ohio that murdered her mother with a frying pan and then stabbed her 31 times because she was upset with her 
because she'd been um, expelled from school or kicked out for bad grades. Uh, how do you react to that? What do you think is going on here? It's so bizarre. I don't know if she was on crack or what, but there was some reason she wasn't. I just heard about it when you talked about it. I hadn't read about that yet on my phone, but I watched some of those crime shows on my phone, you know, and there's some really bizarre stuff on there. And it makes you wonder with this girl, did she have mental illness? But that's not an excuse. But did she, was she smoking crack or taking drugs? Um, but to kill her mother with a frying pan, and I wonder, you know, there must have been something really wrong with her, but that's no excuse. She she had, you know what I mean? She's sick. She's possessed or something. I don't know what, you know? <laughs> it sounds like she might be. Uh, Kim, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. I got to take a quick pause right here. Folks, we're coming right back to your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. That's Valdez with an S. Two of the great artists of our time representing the groundbreaking legacy of hip-hop in America, LLJ Cool J. By the way, that boy's got, that man's got biceps bigger than my thighs. I think he's been... And MC Light, both of you, thank you. Because they both have the light off on the mic, you know you're, uh, you're all here to listen to the new edition. Mike Bibbins, 40 years producing music that lifts our souls. So there's, uh, there's President Biden. Listen, I talk on the radio. I mess things up all the time. Uh, but um, I can assure you that LL Cool J, legendary rapper like LL Cool J, I would not mess up his name and call him LL Cool J boy. <laughs> and then he's got biceps bigger than my thighs. Uh, Joe Biden's a funny guy. Uh, and he was at a speech for the Congressional Black Caucus. This is not to be confused with the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, which he was at earlier, right, last week. And he was telling the Hispanics about the great work they were doing for the Black Caucus. Uh, Listen to this. They echo what my dad taught me. And I mean this sincerely. My dad used to say, everyone, everyone is entitled to be treated with dignity and respect. Congressional Black Caucus embodies all those values. The Congressional Black Caucus embodies all those values. 
Lamentably, he was talking to the Congressional Hispanic Caucus when he said that. <laughs> and he's just so funny. Uh, and, and it's just so funny. Biden has always done this. And he always has this type of hostility towards people of color. Uh, it's just it's fascinating. And, and it seems to just go over very well. You know, if Trump says something like that, then it's like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Uh, but uh, LL Cool Boy, LL Cool Boy, is what he, <laughs> just crazy what he says. Uh, let's go to your calls on this stuff. I want to go to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, KDKA, and check in with James. James, you're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you doing? Wonderful, thank you. You know, you're on the other side of the spectrum from me, but opposite the fact that's the law of physics, right? Anyways, um, you know, I'm not, I like Mr. Trump. That's who I vote for. But Mr. Biden, I'm educated as a practical nurse. I worked in Pittsburgh for black people. I'm white, right? But mm-hmm. I was taught in nursing in the culture that in other cultures around the world, old people are respected for being old. Like here, we put them in a nursing home and we forget about them pretty much. Well, overseas, they're 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 they're, t- they're held in high regards. And I don't think you should slander the man. He's very old and he's trying to do the best he can. I think that's my opinion. But I've been demonized for giving my opinion by the news media on the right side. Okay, with with um. Well, your opinion's always welcome here. Nobody's demonizing you here, James. No, not at all, sir. But what what is um. What is psychological warfare with the use of sex and religion in the Bible with the right wing? What is that? The mark of the beast is on the right hand, and it with a lot of supplies of money. I'll die without it. Nurse package. That sweet, sweet, sweet value. All right. Well, let me try and unpack that. So we, we started off with all people should be treated with respect. I agree. Uh, we also... <laughs> We, we covered uh, your, your career as a practical nurse. Uh, you work, uh, you're a white man working for black people that are elderly in a nursing home. And, uh, and then we jumped into why is it that the right wing uh, uses psychological warfare by using the Bible? And then you said you would die without the mark of the beast. I'm having a tough time connecting those dots. James, thanks for your call. I don't know what to do with that one. Uh, But God bless you, my friend. Folks, we're coming right back. Your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. And uh, the crazy stories continue. Listen to this. And we're going to get to your calls, by the way. Uh, 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. There's a story right here. Where would it, where did it go? Listen to this. This is a crazy story. Student finds meth in a teacher's hair scrunchie 
during family fun night. That's according to the police. An Indiana middle school teacher was arrested last week after she allegedly caught got caught with meth hidden inside her hair scrunchie during a family fun night event at the school. Sarah Duncan, 35 years old, allegedly took a picture during an event at Helfrich Park STEM Academy on September 12th with two of her, uh, of the students that were there. The students noticed her unusual hair scrunchie after they were inside the photo booth. According to the police, both juveniles stated that Duncan let her hair down for the photo. Okay, that was the first mistake. After the photo, the juveniles cleaned up the area and located a bluish-colored velvet type of scrunchie with a white zipper on the table. They noticed that the scrunchie was heavier than a typical scrunchie. They opened the zipper and observed a glass vial that contained a white powder substance that the two believed to be drugs along with a cut straw with white powder in it. The students immediately notified another teacher who instructed them to throw it in the trash, getting rid of the evidence. The teacher then secured the scrunchie in her classroom and notified the school's principal and assistant principal. After the event ended at 6 p.m., Duncan was seen by two janitors frantically searching for some sort of hair tie. Security camera footage taken at the school during the event shows Miss Duncan, who was an eighth grade teacher, wearing the scrunchie earlier that night. A field test for methamphetamine administered on the scrunchie came back positive. Days later, the school's deputy chief of staff and the police chief went with Duncan to a nearby clinic so she could take a drug test. Her first two urine samples were too small and did not reach the temperature for testing. Police said while she's made a third attempt, officers observed an unauthorized collection container fall out of her shorts. (laughs) She brought some other urine with her. Duncan stated that she was not aware of the container in her shorts until after she was providing her second sample. Duncan stated that she does not know how or when the pouch got in her shorts. Duncan stated that there may be another one of them at her residence, but that they were not purchased by her, but by someone she knows who probably uses them to pass other drug tests. (laughs) You would think this is comedy. The teacher was booked uh, into the county jail and she uh, is facing a criminal count of possession and a criminal uh, count of possession of drug paraphernalia. She was released on a thousand dollar bond. She was also fired according to uh, WFIE news. I got it. So teachers are now showing up to school parties, taking pictures with students with meth in their hair ties. Absolutely crazy to me. The whole thing is just insane. Uh, I don't know. Let's go to the phones on this one. Um, let's go to Sarah. She's in Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Sarah, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hi, I'm a Sarah, and I work at a middle school in Indiana, but it's not me, and it's not my school. But I got to <laughs> tell you, as a custodian... I must throw a bunch of scrunchies away, and now I think I'm going to have to check them out. <laughs> yeah, is, isn't this a crazy story? I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, I get it. If you're an addict, you're going to try and get high whenever you got to get high. But 
Uh, you don't expect your kid's eighth grade teacher to be 35 years old and addicted to meth to the level where she's hiding it in her hair tie and bringing it to family fun night, right, Sarah? I know. It doesn't sound like, like I hear the comment, kids will drive me a drink, but drive to do drugs? I mean, that's you got to have a pretty bad habit if you're going into school and you got to have your meth with you. And so you, I guess, ostensibly can do it sometime during the school day. I mean, wow. Uh, we've come a long way, I guess, but it's pretty scary, really. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that the whole thing is just like, wow, uh, absolutely uh, very shocking. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say that a few things shock me, but this is one of those that definitely did. I, I, I hear this and I think, man, we're in bad shape. And I'm glad that my kids are older. Actually, today was my, my youngest daughter's 18th birthday. It's finally here. I've been saying she's about to be 18. She's finally 18 today. And, uh, and I'm glad that, you know, I don't have kids that are in grade school because I never in a million years would have thought that something like this would happen when my kids are in grade school. And it, it's, it's a, a horrible thing that it's happening right now. It really is. Anyway, uh, Sarah, thank you for your call. Now, let me ask you one more question, Sarah, before you go. Did you hear the story about the, um, the woman that killed her mom with a frying pan and stabbed her 31 times because her mom found out she got kicked out of college? Yeah, I, I did see the headline. I have not read the story. Um, what do you think but, about that, though? Just the, the fact that that actually happened. Does that shock you, or is it for you more of the same? Well, I hate to say it's more of the same. It shocks me morally. I just can't think that no matter how bad your relationship with your mom was or how mad she might be, that you would kill her, especially in such a horrid manner, over getting kicked out of college. You know, back in the old days, you just had a argument with your mom, you know, um, but nothing, unfortunately, given the state of society today, nothing totally surprises me, even though it outrages me. It, it, it's just it, it's just going to, well, it's, this world is really in a bad state, so um, it seems like you read headlines like this all the time, you know. Disappointing, but not surprising, right? Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. Sarah in Bedford, Indiana on WBIW. Uh, Excuse me. I sounded like Biden for a second there. Uh, we're going to get to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. We go. Let's go to Portland, Maine, WLOB. Let's check in with Allison. Allison, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Oh, hi again. Hola. Um, yeah, Hola. Um, you know, I spoke to you before a few weeks ago about my friend in L.A. who said there was a murder right across the street from where she was. 
And I'm a little hesitant to bring this one up, but even up here in Maine, we've had some really bad stuff. And um, I won't give any names or anything, obviously, but in, I don't want to bring any memories back for any relatives in case they're <laughs> listening. Anyway, in June, there was a horrible double murder of a young couple in uh, Westbrook, Maine, which is kind of a suburb of here. Um, and um, it just uh, this young guy just went up and shot them at cold, you know, point blank range. And the police were going by not too long after and caught him pretty quickly and everything. But he just completely young. Um, I'll, I'll just say he's a young black man, 24 years old. He had long history of crime, mental illness. Just just executed them just with no drugs. No, they didn't know each other. Um, in fact, it's really just absolutely hard. Just a robbery. Uh, it, it didn't even seem to get to that point. You know, he just he just he just went up to a car that was parked. Um, I think the family. I think it was the young couple, uh, youngish couple, and then they had at least one kid in the back seat. Um, and they were going to a park uh, or a promenade near the park, whatever. And um, it just went up and shot him point blank range, and um, and um, uh, and just absolutely just horrendous. And, and because of the race of you know the races weren't fit, fitting the political uh, agenda, political correctness agenda, it got no national attention. And it, it really even making me even more heartbreaking. They'd actually moved here with their young their young family and I think two or three kids from Texas just um, just earlier this year. Um, or, or, or late last year to get away from how crazy it was down in Texas. So, you know, I mean, just absolutely horrible. Wow. I, I kind of almost don't have, I've talked about it, but I almost don't have words about it, you know, it's just absolutely appalling. Um, that's one of the reasons I came up here to get away from things like that. I used to live in some pretty, pretty big cities. So it's, I know it's, that's... Um, it's atrocious what we're seeing. And, you know, those types of ambush attacks, Allison, I've seen in the past, they... Um, Oftentimes when they're inexplicable like that, oftentimes just gang related, gang initiation, uh, some sort of, you know, you have to prove yourself type of thing. It, it's uh, very, very unfortunate. It really, really is. Uh, Allison, I thank you for the call. And, and it really highlights all of what's going badly in America and these these policies with pro-crime progressive prosecutors just allowing people to run rampant after they commit these types of crimes. Again, I thank you for the call. Uh, let us continue momentarily uh, to Iowa. We will go and check in with Colleen. Colleen, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Oh, well, thank you. I was just calling about the uh, gruesome uh, murder of the mother with the frying pan, and it made me think of the old story. Do you remember the jingle? And I say it was based on a true story. Lizzie Borden took an axe. Gave her, I think it's father, 40 whacks when she saw what she had done. Gave her mother 41. Did you ever hear that? I've never heard that. That's crazy. Well, you do but... a little research. I think it's a true story. Wow. Well, uh, I'm sure it is a true story. I mean, who would make that up? And And you're right. It's so reminiscent of what we're seeing right now. And uh, what do you make of that, Colleen, this um, daughter killing her mother over bad grades? Well, I think it's horrible, and I can't imagine it. I, I just really can't. And by the way, it was kind of interesting. I misdialed you because I couldn't read my own writing, and I got a hot lady's uh, uh, 800 number <laughs> by, <laughs> by calling 1-800 instead of 1-833. That is funny. <laughs> I wonder if somebody's playing a prank on me. That's funny. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, I, I really um, I think it's disgusting that the level of crime that we're seeing. And uh, Colleen, what's your thought on this other story about the teacher who is hiding the drugs in her hair tie and uh, then goes to take a, a drug test and brings 
a urine sample cup with her, uh, seemingly to offer someone else's urine. Well, I can see why she did that, because she was obviously <laughs> guilty, and that would be the only way to get out of it. But uh, as a daughter of a school teacher, I can't imagine such a thing. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Colleen, thanks for the call from Ames, Iowa, K-A-S-I, great station. And, folks, we're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. Give us a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. One of the things that's happening in the auto industry, as you know, is this um, market shift and transition to electric vehicles. You were quoted back in July saying you look forward to buying a union-made electric vehicle, but you buy, but you currently have a non-union-made mm-hmm. Tesla. UAW already makes some electric vehicles. Yes. So why wasn't that? Is it a problem with the the quality? Is it a problem with the style? Is the market just not there? Uh, no. The, our car was purchased uh, during the pandemic when travel, mass, before a, a vaccine had come out. So travel between New York and Washington, the safest way that we had determined was an EV, but that was prior to um, some of the new models coming out on the market that had the range available. Uh, but we're actually looking into trading in our car now. So we're looking into it and hopefully we will soon. (laughs) So uh, why do you have a non-union made electric vehicle? Well, because vaccines weren't available at the time. (laughs) Okay. Well, then that clarifies absolutely everything because, you know, you have to be vaccinated to buy the union car. And at the time she couldn't get a vaccine. So she had to buy the Tesla. Absolutely makes all the sense in the world. Uh, you got to love AOC All Out Crazy, who was on with Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation this Sunday. I ha- had that audio yesterday, and I just um, I didn't get to it. But you, you got to love the responses that you get from All Out Crazy AOC. It makes you think, like, you know, what's the next step for her? Hopefully, you know, she um, she doesn't end up like some of these crazies that we're talking about with the scrunchie and the frying pan. Anyway, let us uh, go to your calls. Uh, let's go to Sue in Schwenksville, Pennsylvania, WXDE. Sue, go right ahead. Yeah, so you know, it's interesting that you should bring up the AOC thing. Did you notice how she said our car? She's not married that I'm aware of. I don't know why she kept referring well, to Well, I think car, she's engaged to Riley Roberts, a redheaded guy that's been her longtime boyfriend. Yeah, well, it's very sweet. But anyway, so, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the Lizzie Borden thing if I recall, you know, she murdered her parents in 1892. And from what I understand, reading about this case in over the years, that she had some sort of extreme uh, case of PMS or something that made her kill her parents. But at the time, it was an indelicate topic to bring up in court. 
And so they could have probably got her off by that, you know, saying it was temporary insanity or something because of PMS. But they didn't want to talk about that, you know, a woman's menstruation in court. But I think wow. this other case where the where the woman hit her uh, mother in the head with the frying pan, you know, um, she must have been very afraid of her parents. They must not have had a very good relationship if she, if they were unaware that she was flunking out. She couldn't talk to them about that, and she was so afraid of their reaction that she would rather kill them than suffer whatever like anger they would have. I, I don't know. It doesn't excuse it, obviously, but that doesn't sound like a very good relationship she had with her parents there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's I'm, it's exactly what I'm talking about. Number one, uh, I was just told in my ear by our our wonderful production team that Lizzie Borden was acquitted; she was never convicted. Uh, but also, this is the degradation of the family. It's it's absolutely um, it's seemingly getting worse now. Families are so. And again, I don't know. I can't fault the parents here uh, saying that they don't have this relationship because this girl seems to be a psycho. Really does. You know, I mean, there's an old saying, there's no kid, no bad kids, just bad parents. But um, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Should I suspect that the mom was going to kill her with the frying pan and she took it away? It seems no. like she murdered her mom and, and covered it up. And it's absolute crazy. And I guess some people are crazy. And this is why I've always believed crazy people need to be locked away. We have to keep them in prison. I, I don't feel like we should, the rest of us should have to live with the crazy people. Um, if, if you're capable, listen, I, 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 I can get angry just like everybody else. And I never beat somebody up with a frying pan, let alone my own mother and then stabbed them 31 times. And I think if you're capable of that, if you're that kind of person, then you don't deserve to be around, not just as a punishment, but more as a protection to me. Right. Sue, does that make sense? Yeah, and you know, even even in the case of it's the whole idea of the concept of of consequences. You know, like people get in arguments. You see people that get in arguments and and they throw stuff. Well, I I would never do that because who's going to clean that up? I mean, you know, like <laughs> I've been mad, and you know, I'm going to not throw something because I know later on I got I got a work to do now that I made for myself. So the the concept of consequences of your actions should always be in the forefront of your mind, unless of course you are really not. Right. Yeah. You're really losing it. Thank you, Sue. I appreciate it. Uh, Sue in Schwenksville, Pennsylvania, WXDE. Thank you for the call. And I think this is just crazy. And uh, I know I don't typically get into violent crime stories like this because I feel like they're just somewhat depressing, you know, and I try to be as uplifting as I can be. But sometimes you just got to talk about this stuff. Anyway, folks, the music means they're kicking me out of here. Uh, but there's more excellent programming following us. Unless it's a crazy liberal, then it's just decent programming. But listen to them anyway. Stay on this station. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless. I am Rich Valdez. I'll be back with you tomorrow to discuss everything that happened during the day on America at Night. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.